This is Catching Up, a postseason debrief and behind-the-screen look at the Third Gallon Podcast. Well, here we are. We did it. We finished a season of this two-bit show. Yay. How are we feeling now? Uh, How you like me now? Honest, I want more. I I know the whole point is to play (laughs) lots of games, but I want more. Uh, That's that's a good that's that that's a good way to start it. Well, welcome everyone listening. Hi, hello. To catching up. Yeah, you. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Hi there. We appreciate that you're listening today. Because we can't get enough of the condiment references on the show. But can I have barbecue sauce, please? We relish them. We relish them. <laughs> Catching up is our. <laughs> I'm good. Catching up is our seasonal debrief meta show where we talk about behind the scenes and behind the screen stuff that's happened on the Third Gun Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about our first season, which is Forbidden Lands. What? What? I know. It's not like we just really? played 25 episodes of it. I thought I thought we were playing D&D this whole time. <laughs> you were reading from the wrong rule Wait, book, we Jacob. weren't supposed to be rolling D20s? Whoops. Whoops. No wonder I did so well. <laughs> uh, so we've all kind of collected a bunch of um, different questions and, and things to talk about coming away from the season. Uh, and so we're going to go through those. We also put out uh, questions to the listeners, all three of you out there. Yes, you. Uh, so if any of those come through, we'll take time to answer those as well. Um, but to kick things off, uh, just a very broad question here. Now that we've played 25 episodes plus the plus the pre-show stuff, so a good, you know, probably 35 hours of Forbidden Lands, what's your thoughts and feelings on the game? Let's just go around the room starting with cat you always have to start with me <laughs> um i truly enjoyed forbidden lands i was hesitant at first because um i'm slow at catching up on new things but it was brand new to everyone and that helped me out a lot i do not know if i would have liked forbidden lands had it been the first game i ever played because i'm i'm not the best at the role-playing element and i'm not trying to talk myself down it's just i'm not i'm not as improv good as everybody else um, and I tended to, you know, stick toward the combat stuff, but it actually, I think helped me improve my role-playing elements. And I really liked the D6 system. It was like really simple to comprehend, but not so simple that it made rolling dice boring. Yeah. I think like that, that that's like the two Why paradigms. are you guys dancing while I'm trying to say serious stuff? Because yeah. you're so serious. That, Why yeah. so serious? <laughs> because context. that's just how I am. While this discussion was happening, uh, Jacob and Drow were cutting Just a jig. Straight up dancing in the background. This is the kind of stuff you don't get from remote play. No. no. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to crack a joke about whether I liked it or not? I'm confused. <laughs> no, I'm just saying I enjoyed Forbidden Lands way more than I liked it. And I'm going to say something that will probably be considered blasphemy at this table. Uh-oh. I like it better than Pathfinder. I don't okay. think that's blasphemy. So it's I do easier. to everybody each to their own taste. It's not yeah. just easier. I feel like you have more freedom to try things. Oh yeah. A, a Pathfinder sometimes leaves you. If you roll poorly, maybe I'm just burned on bat on the character. I always rolled poorly from. If you roll poorly in Pathfinder, you get punished for being creative. This yeah. is not one of those games. And I kind of like it. Yeah. I feel like you have a lot more. There's a lot more like narrative leverage to try different things based on how the mechanics are structured around your, like your attributes and your skills, they're very, they're more broad than Pathfinder. And so you're always going to have some dice to roll and you're not rolling a D 20, trying to match a number with a bonus. You're trying to hit a success. Yeah. So it's, um, that dice pool thing. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I had my concerns cause I've tried shadow run before mm-hmm. <laughs> that was shadow runs a bit much a lot because basically shadow run is similar in the dice in that it uses a dice pool system, but you're rolling like tens. It's like you're playing dice. pathfinder, 
but you're using a dice pool and system. And you're rolling like back and forth. You're rolling all the time and it's very cumbersome. Now, to be fair, anyone out there who might like Shadowrun, we were three people learning a game we'd never played before. So yeah, mm-hmm. we didn't know what we were doing and we probably still don't know what we were doing. Yeah. And that could have a whole lot to do with it, but it seemed like a bit much. Yeah, I but I, I, I feel you. I We've had conversations now where like I'm kind of not worried about going back to Pathfinder. But whenever we play another Pathfinder session again, it's going to be very different. Very. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah, it's not as open-ended. Forbidden Lands feels a lot more like a role-playing game than a RPG plus board game kind of that Pathfinder can mm. translate to. I suppose at that mention, I'll take my turn. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I, come, when I came into role-playing games, I came in less for the role-playing and more for the game. Uh, I like board games, and that's what made me start off in... 3.5 and move the Pathfinder. That being said, Forbidden Lands is dope. I oh, love yeah. Forbidden Lands. I could play either happily. Do I look forward to going back to Pathfinder at some point? Absolutely. I miss it because I like the complicated crunch, but I also just enjoy how smooth and almost carefree Forbidden Lands could be in the act of playing it. It's a very well-made game. It's a very good game, and it's got some very good lore to play and mess around with. Yeah, and like I was always kind of uh, hesitant to try out things like the Apocalypse System games or Fate-based games Mm. because it felt like the rules are just kind of added on as a guideline. They didn't really do much for for the game itself. But Forbidden Lands... Uh, in the same way that whenever I listen to people play Blades in the Dark struck me as a good balance of not really being super rules light, but being more, I think the term I would use is rules open. Rules appropriate? Yeah, or rules open. Like you can try a lot of things. The rules are very flexible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there still very much are rules and there's not a insignificant amount of them. It makes me intrigued on playing a potential like monster of the week uh, style game because it's along the same lines with more open rules. And when I first heard about it, I almost thought it was a bit too open. Yeah. But it makes a lot more sense having played Forbidden Lands. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree. Uh, With that, what do you uh, draw? What's your what's your main thoughts and feelings coming out away from the first season? Coming away from the first season, I, uh, I just, I think that Forbidden Lands is great. I really appreciate that it is not as crunchy as Pathfinder. It has a different approach to RPGs, which a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, indie TTRPGs are D twenty based. Kind of something that you could, if you wanted to, tack on to five E. Mm-hmm. But this is different. It feels like a very clean system. It doesn't have um, a lot of baggage from older systems the way that Pathfinder does. It doesn't rely on usually more than one type of dice. Making attacks is an easy process. Uh, Understanding armor is an easy process. Everything is pretty straightforward, but there's not a lot of restriction to it. Yeah. I appreciate the, the way that it's set up. Yeah, I, I think that's something that we kind of all have hit on is like the design of the game is just spot on. Excellent. If I could add something on that I just thought about, Cat mm-hmm. no. had mentioned. Oh, <laughs> nope, you're not allowed. Just see myself out. You just have to mention me. Cat <laughs> had mentioned how she or she might not have liked it if we had started playing RPGs with Forbidden Lands. Yeah. I think I can understand that because when you start an RPG, it's kind of nervous. It's overwhelming you know? almost. Especially yeah. if you're not someone who's ever done drama or theater. It's basically like you're being told, <laughs> come play this board game, but you're going to act while you do it. Yeah. yeah. Which for all intents Which and purposes is, is a tabletop RPG. Yeah. In a game where it's mostly RP and not as much rolling, that would be very intimidating. Um, which is where it just brought to mind, I think that's kind of where D&D 5e yeah. kind of nails it. Yeah, I, um, I agree. It did give you stepping because stones Pathfinder, to learning that. Because Pathfinder, way complicated. Right. I understand that. I love it, but I understand it. Forbidden Lands, a lot of role play, not yeah. much game, but like 5e is a nice little middle point there. 
at the same time, I could see, because you're right, a lot, uh, at least for us and from what I've heard from other groups getting started, a non-insignificant amount of people start role-playing games from a board game plus plus perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like we did. We started with D&D 3.5 and then naturally moved into Pathfinder since it was the next step for that. And people these days are playing D&D 5e. Which the offers these days, yeah, <laughs> we're old people now. Uh, but th- it offers the same thing, you know, the ability to play it more board game like and leave out the role play elements uh, if you'd like to. But I could also see uh, people playing this as a more board game focused things. It would just play a lot faster. Yeah, Much uh, yeah, faster. I hear that. Yeah, but yeah, I think. Given that, or saying that, uh, Forbidden Lands excels more as a role-play focused game. Oh, yeah. Because the book kind of pushes you away from using battle maps, um, focusing oh. more on theater of the mind by yeah. just giving you artwork. I miss a battle map. I know. <laughs> well, no, it's also just, let's say we got into the we got into the temple and things like that. In Pathfinder, you have a setup. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Somebody's got to roll for perception. Everybody's going to roll for perception. Let's look for traps. Let's do this. Let's do that. Like There was a little bit more open-endedness in when you approach something new, what can you do with it? Right. Yeah. It's, right. I look forward to seeing how we apply this stuff to the other games we've played. Because sometimes when you're playing a D&D or a Pathfinder game, or have we mentioned what we're playing next? No, we'll get to that at the okay. end. Okay. Uh, games that have chunk to it like that, sometimes you can get caught. Now, some people play it for the chunk. I get that because I'm, I'm a lot like that. But I wonder how our games might change in the future yeah. after having playing Forbidden Land. And, you know, we've learned by now before we even started doing this, but it's a good example. Don't ask for useless perception checks. Yeah. If you need your players to see something, just have them see it don't ask them to roll because they could all roll ones and you might laugh and scuff and say that'll never happen but it almost always happens Uh, all the time yeah (laughs) yeah it's like if you need to push the story forward push the story forward yeah exactly yeah forbidden lens makes you ask the question like if you're asking for a roll what is the consequence for failing because if there's not really a consequence or if it doesn't then you start evaluating does it make sense to have this role or should they just know you yeah, know. Mm-hmm. and also I sometimes when you play the chunkier games, it could almost feel like uh, DM versus players, simply because like oh you step there and you didn't roll for perception or you rolled perception for traps forty feet away when you should have done it thirty feet away. Yeah, and there are times and places yeah. for that, but Forbidden Lands I feel like encourages more of the tell the story. It's not verses and. That means being a little bit more lenient and just understanding some things. It makes me think of uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition tries to approach this. Uh, we haven't really played yeah. any of it. I think, Drow, you dabbled in it a tiny bit. But yeah. supposedly Drow in 2nd dabbled. Edition, uh, you're supposed to have the GM roll secret checks uh, with people's stuff. Yeah. And I understand how that alleviates this. But when you pull rolls away from characters, it always feels bad because everyone loves rolling the clacky clack rocks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it doesn't feel like a perfect solution. Whereas this one, the game just says, hey, you only roll when it matters. Yeah. If I'm asking for a scouting roll in a dungeon, you know... Something's up. Something's about to happen, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And, you'll, and we understand that at that point, we won't be metagaming. It kind of cuts yeah. down on the whole, I'm going to roll every few minutes just mm-hmm. to make sure I don't miss something because I'm scared. I'm going to do the 30 feet versus 40 feet. Oh, yeah. 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 This game really seemed to break the... Uh, the method that Pathfinder built up in all of yeah. us. Yeah. 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 Cause you get really, when you're playing Pathfinder and D and D, uh, it's very formulaic. You go into room, you roll perception. That's exactly what I said and, up you know, earlier. And yeah. now to be fair, that's not necessarily bad. It's just all about what you prefer. Right, right. Well, um, it's also, that type of thing is also really good for like a beginning player yeah. to have a formulaic method to approach something. I will say as a GM, my feelings coming away from this is probably going to change, not maybe drastically, but will change how I run other games, D21s, mm-hmm. because I've just, you know, playing this, running some other D20 games, and then, you know, we all listen to a lot of tabletop podcasts in addition to playing this one. Uh, it's made me realize that that's all bullshit, and I don't really feel like asking for that many roles. I know why we do it. I know the formula. I know where it comes from. 
but I'd be more willing to bend the rules to fit this style of play. Not exactly, obviously, Mm -hmm. but to get closer to it because it feels more creative. There is nothing wrong with the DM asking for a check and not expecting the players to just make... Right. There's a... How do I... The players go into a room, and if the player doesn't ask for a perception check you let them miss whatever's in there simply because they didn't ask. There's yeah. no reason the DM can't just say, hey, make me a perception check. Yeah, I, that's this game is very much because you guys would ask to roll for things. And I would say, no, I'm the one who asks for yeah. rolls. Yeah. Um, and I like, I, I like that um, change around because it lets me... Whenever someone makes a roll, it adds time and like breaks immersion to a certain degree. Yeah. yeah. And so... Whenever we just say, hey, don't do rolls, I ask for rolls. Obviously, in combat, things change a little bit, but like mm. whenever you're in what would a 2E, Pathfinder 2E would call it exploration mode, I'm the only one that's going to ask for things. Uh, if you ask me a question otherwise about the environment, I either ask for a roll or I just tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. I, it's just kind of, ever since playing this game, it's kind of driven me crazy listening to people play Pathfinder. Um, I won't name the shows because I love them and I don't want them to get hate. But, mm. uh, and then having someone ask for a perception check and then like it's something obvious and they ask for someone else to roll it or uh-huh. they ask for some uh-huh. other kind of roll. It's just like, you shouldn't have to You shouldn't roll. have to fight to get the story. Yeah, you should just, uh, obviously some things can be hidden, but mm-hmm. like a lot of things should be more obvious than having to ask for rolls for rolls sake. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that, that, Boy, that first uh, that first point's a, a juicy discussion topic. Um, well, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but um, I got some more ones to kind of feed off of that. Um, if we started a new game of Forbidden Lands, like right now, if we, you know, after this season, uh, obviously we, we're going to announce it at the end of this uh, bit here. But uh, if we were to start a brand new game right now, fresh, what would you be most interested in playing? Would you play what you already did or would See, you try something new? If we, we should were, all be Wolfkin. If we were to start a fresh game, I would rather not start a fresh game and just keep playing the game. I would want to continue where we were. We had so much set up and going. I, I, okay. I've actually really enjoyed playing Dream. And we're, the game that, we're, that we have coming up uh, has magic in it. Yeah. And I haven't researched it, but because it's got a bit more chunk, magic is always a bit more complicated yeah. in games. In Forbidden Lands, it's just not it's the magic is basically like having another talent that has special if things. we continued mm-hmm. this game i would actually be and i lost kali i would be excited to try a magic class because i wouldn't feel as overwhelmed with the details of it yeah it's definitely a lot less um heft I would it's like you want to be a valuable player to the team and if you struggle with keeping too many details going on at once i feel like i need I have a magic character and sometimes I feel like it's a literal checklist of like yeah. this, 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 you're very complicated and you can't just enjoy the moment sometimes. I probably would have been interested in trying out a peddler or a merchant mm-hmm. simply to see how that could have affected having a stronghold. Yeah. What about you, Drow? Sorcerer. Sorcerer. I don't sorcerer. know. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know if I would want to be a sorcerer. Um, necromancy, blood magic. Bark, is bark, that what bark. you have to say? Uh, I, th- I think... <laughs> I think, honestly, I might like to try a minstrel. Ooh. Ooh, fun, fun. That is something that I think your party was surprisingly well-rounded. Yeah. Accidentally so. Yeah. But the only thing that you were kind of weak on was whenever you would take damage to... Will. Empathy yeah. or wits. Oh, yeah, yeah. Then a minstrel is very key in, quote, in unquote, healing that. Uh, That's one thing that mental stats. our yeah. group, when we play as our base group, because we have one DM and three players on most of our yeah. a- average games, we've gotten used to not having support. Us three people will play <laughs> like one of the... Imp- I hate to say it like this, but one of the important necessary classes. Yeah. Whereas a bard, for the most part, is optional. You don't yeah. have yeah. to have a bard in the same way that you have to have a cleric, though we don't usually have a cleric. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we usually have the the basic healer, the frontline fighter, and the blaster caster. Yep. Yeah. Blaster yeah. caster. I was Sometimes say. we have uh like not so much a frontline fighter, but we have a melee person with like trap proficiencies. Yeah. Yeah. We might not have a complete uh full blaster caster but we have somebody who has 
arcane knowledge and access to a wand or something. And we have had exactly one cleric, I think. I yes. think we have had Noom. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But yeah. we always um, have a healer. And yeah. the only game where we had the more optional or support-like classes was a game where we had six or seven people. And in that one, we had two bards. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, on that note, because we're going to come back to this a lot the more we talk, that's a good thing about Forbidden Lands, is your class does not actually necessarily dictate what you're good at. Dreamin was a healer, and he had healing magic, but by the end of it, Dreamin, if it wasn't for the fact that Cahoon had a sword and one ability, uh, Dreamin could have held his own against Cahoon, technically speaking. Yeah. Um, because what you're good at with your class and your willpower does not necessarily match up with what your stats reflect because of just how the game works. So you could have a minstrel who would still be able to hold their own in combat. And I find that very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is what we kind of talked about. Uh, Cause I remember we had, I had like watched Lord of the Rings during our time in season one. Yeah, I remember you talking about that, how Gandalf had a sword. Yeah. He fought. Yeah, and he was a perfectly capable... Oh, Gandalf was awesome. ...melee fighter. And yeah. it reminded me a lot of how, like, especially in the slaver fight, Dreamin was holding his own against everyone in melee. Sure, they weren't super, like, powerful enemies or anything, and but... And we got hella lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, that, like, that's mm-hmm. the thing. Like, your class kind of lets you specialize in things, but it doesn't hold you back. Like in other games, when you pick a class, it kind of puts you on a track and you can like pick subclasses or archetypes or whatever to specialize you and pick a slightly different variant of that tract. But in here, it's like if I pick um, sorcerer or druid, that means I can cast XYZ magic from that like pool of things but it doesn't mean I am bad at anything else. Yeah. Like all those general talents, open season. You can take mm-hmm. them as much as you want. Technically speaking, if we did not have a druid healer, we still could have healed. Yep. It would have taken more time and more resources, but we did not have to have a healer yep. because somebody could have just used the heal skill. Yeah. Well, not only that, I think the mo- the single most limiting thing for character development in Forbidden Lands was choosing your attributes. For oh, instance, for sure. with Kali having a low strength, there was not much of a chance for her to be melee unless I had focused very heavily on getting like a dodge or parry or something like that. Yeah. So you had some level of limitation, but not the same amount as you would in another game. Yeah, yeah, like that's really your ability scores and there's only four of them are the only thing that really limits you. And yeah, your skill point allocation at the beginning of the game can also limit you. But if you play long enough, you can oh, fix yeah. that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, that's yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, was there anything you wanted to do, like a place you wanted to go to, a mystery that kind of was left unsolved? My fox. Uh, or thing that you didn't get to? The fox. Uh, so you want to start with the fox? Mm-hmm. Well, you want to know like what the deal was with that? Yeah. Why did we run into shapeshifters? Not only uh, not only one. Gelf, yeah. but the minstrel, the yellow-eyed one, rather than the blue-eyed yeah. one. So I can tell you this much. Grelf was a random encounter. Oh. Okay. Um, so, that's crazy. What a good random encounter. Grelf is a demon. He's a Ooh. demon? Grelf is a demon. And his like thing is that he can take different shapes. And it's funny because I rolled for him and I got like the same like special ability because um, I created like a full demon when I did it. But the random encounter text specifically says that he's curious and he tracks the party, but he doesn't start conflict. So that's ah. what I did. Um, if you would have fought him, it would have been a demon fight and that would have been its own fun thing but he was a demon and he would just so, follow you around to see what you were up to. So the, uh, the minstrel was a demon too. The minstrel. Yeah. You mean the, the, the one from the, the cut scene, one. the cut scene at the end. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, or uh, you don't have to tell us if you play it one day. I'll say this much because if we do get to come back to Forbidden Lands, it'll be a long time from now, and That's Jacob true. specifically will forget. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Give him a week, Jacob will forget. Hey, now you're right. So, and this is something that probably would have come up if we were playing it a little bit more traditionally, as the game kind of anticipates, because the game kind of anticipates 
I'm just throwing out legends a lot, uh-huh. even if they're not relevant to what you guys are doing. There is a personage in the Forbidden Lands, a character called Marigal, who is like an androgynous shapeshifter demon figure. And that was him? Because I remember you mentioned that it was like a an androgynous half-elf? Yeah. It appears like a half-elf most yeah. of the time, yeah. Um, obviously, I feel like you guys recognized the big bad that's talked about in the Forbidden Lands, Zygrifer, yeah. or as you didn't know, Zytera, because his daughter is attached to him at the back on top of a spider. That was him! Yeah. That was him? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's another legend that we would have just had come up if we were doing those more nat- like the game kind of anticipates, but I, I let legends come out more naturally, so yeah. they were slower rolled. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like me to read some of these legends that we didn't get to? Sure. Yeah. Why right. not? Hold on. And while you're doing, while you're getting that ready, I'll just say the thing I was most interested in that we didn't get to do was probably stronghold stuff. Oh yeah, but that would it just didn't fit in the show. Oh yeah, it didn't. No, no, I get that. I'm not upset yeah. about it either. It's just that if we played again and we played like a long going campaign, that's one of the things I would look the most forward to figuring out and doing. Yeah, for I like, sure. I like. I've always been about base building stuffs. It's which strategic, is why, and you like strategy. Which is why Kingmaker uh, Adventure Path has always intrigued me. Yeah, for Pathfinder. Yeah, yeah. So let me read some of these legends. I'll read the one about Marigal first, since that was the first character brought up. The name Marigal soars like a vague shadow with yellow eyes across the Forbidden Lands. No one knows who the creature is, or even if it is a man or woman. Maybe there are several Marigals, for the creature has been spotted in places far and wide from one day to the next. The young are seduced in castles as well as cottages, so that the yellow-eyed offspring of Marigal can often be found in the most distant regions and among all kin. Some believe the creature to be a demon. Others revere it as a god. For the truth is that it is as likely to help those who encounter it as it is to destroy them. So on that note, mm-hmm. Dalb and Olaf, were they the demon or were they offspring of the demon? Uh, they were Marigal. So okay. for a fun fact in Weatherstone, Marigal is specifically a way to like get you to to Weatherstone. Mm-hmm. One of the the whenever you're preparing an adventure site, there's this um section at the top called uh getting here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually have it pulled up for Weatherstone. Always love the getting here sections in anything. Yeah, so there's three or there's a couple in Weatherstone. There is uh the yellow-eyed deer, the adventurers suddenly get a glimpse of a magnificent creature, a deer with grand horns. It runs off with uncanny speed only to then and again stop and look back at the adventurers as if waiting for them to catch up. The deer is actually the trickster demon Marigal <laughs> trying to lure the adventurers to Weatherstone. Uh, and then Dahl very specifically in the adventure site is Marigal in a shape-shifted form trying to get you guys to explore it. Why does he want us to explore it? Uh, Probably to find stuff and get things set in motion. Okay. Exactly. Um, the other one, the other getting here for Weatherstone uh, is very familiar Drunk to you man. guys. Drunk man? The tired treasure hunter. A uh. groan is heard from a campsite nearby. <laughs> the adventurers find it abandoned except for a tired and very drunk man known as oh Rolk. Oh my God, <laughs> To Rolk. think we almost lost Rolk to a demon. I mean, when I'm preparing this (laughs) and I see like vague yellow idea or drunk man, man, (laughs) I know what's going to go on air better. (laughs) So would you guys like to hear the legend of Zytera? Yes, please. Yes. All right. Feed me. They say that the sorcerer Zygopher during the final battle of the fourth Alder War summoned a demonic horde that slaughtered King Algarod and the Alderlander army. Is that what we saw? To consolidate the alliance, Zygrifer and his daughter, Therania, agreed to being merged with a demon prince to form the man-spider Zytera, whom the Rust brothers still venerate as the prophet of the god Rust. Allegedly, Zytera still rules the holdfast of Vond, from which the monstrosity sends out the unnatural demonic creatures that haunt the forbidden lands. Ugh. Is that is that the ruined like giant city we decided not to go to? The ruins? That's the ruins of the city. I forget the name. 
But it was like at the base of the mountain and we went the like around it. at the mountain is called Vond, not the city. So much story. Mm-hmm. Oh, we could have, we could have ran into that place and gotten murdered. Yep. I'm glad we didn't go there. Yep. Yeah. If you guys would have gone to the ruined city, I would have had a hell of a time trying to steer you away from Vond. Oh that's boy. just asking for death. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if one of the gems is there. Admittedly, I'm not going to get too far into uh-huh. other plot uh-huh. elements. Uh, I'm comfortable revealing those because they're legends that would have come out anyway. Um, I'd love to get into the whole plot of Ravenspurge. Well, not really plot, but things that you can do in Ravenspurge. But this group of people has informed me that if we do not play it again in some capacity for the show... We I. might e. actually riot. Yeah, i.e. Yeah. <laughs> a bonus season or some other form of content, then just want to play it by ourselves. Then <laughs> we would play it by ourselves in a off camera or off mic game. Who knows if that'll happen when that'll happen. Yeah. Um, but so for their sake, I will not get into much more of it. Um, but yeah, so uh, I think we asked drow and drow's main question was Grelf. Jacob, did you have anything stronghold? Stronghold I want, stuff. I was <laughs> ve- very intrigued by stronghold mechanics. Okay. Yeah, that's just, that's very hard to translate into radio. Oh, yeah. We basically have to treat it like downtime and do like half or more of an episode just talking about what happened. I expect that if we got around to it, we would have done most of it off air, mm-hmm. and then we would have recapped what happened at the start of an episode or something like that. Like the episode would be, hey, three months has passed, we've built a quarry and a lumberjack camp, and now we have a dope tavern. Or just like talking about what you guys want to do and then going through the act, the act of like rolling or there describing no, it. That's just it. There are no rolls. That's it's fair. just literally a bunch of math. Well, there is things that I Ooh, would roll. Math. Oh, that's true. That's As true. As you spend time in the stronghold, like what happens. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't happen all the time. So we would resolve stuff like that. Um, Kat, is there anything like um, that you wanted to do anywhere you wanted to go or something that didn't get resolved for you with this? No, not really. Um, I I built Kali with the desperate want to explore the map because that was kind of one of the things I wanted to see was the map. Yeah. Um, But considering how many episodes we had and the things that we did, I thought we got to explore quite a bit of map. Yeah. I mean, well, honestly, you explored a lot, but you barely scratched the surface of the map. Oh, yeah. I mean, considering where we were and how many episodes we did. Yeah. I don't think that Forbidden Lands, you're meant to get a whole map very quickly or anything like that. No, no. Didn't think so. Actually, I don't know how much you can tell us because, you know, as stuff previously stated, I was always intrigued. The bard that went insane, Dendrea, Mm -hmm. was there a reason she took the head or was she just crazy? That's an excellent question. I am happy to reveal that. So... Uh, this is part of the Weatherstone Adventure site um, in the section that covers the different characters. Uh, I'll read you what this thing says about her. Dendrea plays the fiddle and seems to be a jovial woman with a taste for food and drink. She claims to be here because she has been paid to play. In fact, Dendrea is a thief and assassin hired by the rulers of Alderland, south of the Iron Lock. The new royal family wants to remove any traces of Algarod's line since political rebels have revealed that the old king still roams Ravenland. If Dendrea manages to take Algarod's head to the Iron Lock, she will be richly rewarded and awarded citizenship in Alderland. Or so she believes. Wait, there's a royal family? In Alderland, south of the Iron Lock. Oh, because this takes place in the Iron Lock. Yeah, right? in, in right. Ravenland. Yeah, so That's right. Dendrea uh, dreams uh, of present-day Alderland, but she knows nothing about it. She has hinted to Eskar that she is a thief and would like to be a part of any secret raid against the Stronghold, but she has not divulged her true intentions. When we play Weatherstone, Mm -hmm. did every character that was part of Eskar's party have a place where they were meant to die or gotten rid of? Or was it like, this is a place where a character dies, roll to see who dies there? Uh, it was... Um, or was it all pre-planned out? No, it was very... It doesn't tell you anything. Uh, it tells you, I think, with the Scorpion Beast fight, it was like, you can have one of Eskar's party be here um, with that wounded person that ended up being Dendrea. Mm-hmm. I think on the moat... 
it was optional. I'd have to read it again. Um, but it was like, hey, you can have like remains of someone who died here or whatever. But because I did it once and then again, I just did it again with the ravine because it's another very dangerous spot in the castle. It just worked out nicely that way. Could, so could we have killed the moat beast? No. There's not even a stat block for it. And one more thing, because the more you mention, the more I remember, the more questions I get. There was rumored to be a sword at Weatherstone that could kill a specific beast. I can't remember the details. Did we get that sword? That's Rustbite. That's Rustbite? Yeah. And what was the specific beast it was meant to kill? It's nothing. Oh, That's okay. It's just legend. Okay. Yeah. On that note, I know you found the um, scepter at the Vale of the Dead. That's kind of where I always intended it to be. If you had gone down to that wagon, because I know you, at least Dreamin', was very keen on finding that wagon at the bottom of the ravine in Weatherstone, it would have had a modicum of treasure. Ooh. All the treasure had been looted by the harpies. Ah. I gotcha. Yep. And could we have found a baby to give them? No. Oh, dang it. Fun fact, their catapult full of treasure was not even the treasure. <gasps> it was what Kali found. Oh, if you had uncovered it, there was some like coins there, but there was like fool's gold pyrite and whatnot, making it sparkle. It wasn't the real thing. Clever birds. Clever birds. That's why they were like threatening to launch it because it was because it wasn't. And we just thought they could fly back and get it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. I'll I'll stop asking questions now. (laughs) No, there's a lot of those that we don't think about till we uh, till we get to. To me, you know what's kind of funny is out of all the stuff we played, only Weatherstone and the Veil of the Dead were in any way, shape, or form pre-made content. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, random encounters, and we did a lot of them, but they were the only like major things, you know? And it doesn't feel like that. Obviously, Treatenbergville, name-wise, feels like par for the course with our homebrew stuff. It was a beautiful place. It's such an us thing. Yeah, but... uh, Playing in it, not so much. Um, and then Sheercliff, the castle, uh, Boulder Post, all those other places you went to feel completely pre-made. But they were just rolled with the in-game book stuff. It's it, I keep kind of going back to that and being surprised at how good those tables are. They, are, they, are, they have to be good because you made a lot of good sites. I, yeah, love it. Um, so on that note, uh, I want to go around the table here. What was your favorite moment of the campaign that you can remember? Drow, what, what was your favorite? There's been a lot that's been really, really fun. But honestly, the opener, where are we? <laughs> it- <laughs> where are we? Talk about it, setting the tone. It, it just set up the entire tone for the rest of it. I always know where I am. Where are we? <laughs> You're right. Absolutely right. <laughs> that is really good. That's a good one. Jacob, what was your, if you I could pick one moment? never rolled my pride. Wow. You're right. You didn't. I, what was your pride? My pride was I can heal anything. And the downside to that is I only rolled to heal with my skill like two or three times. The rest of the time it was just magical. Yeah. Uh, my favorite moment is a toss up between the ghost Ooh. and that the, was fun. how tough we appeared to be in the slaver fights. Yeah. Now, uh, we, we all are know, tough. We, we are tough, but we also all know we got really lucky. I've never rolled by so poorly. No means should we have made it through that <laughs> without being caught by the slavers. Yeah. You know what's interesting about that? is I had forgotten. Now, the way I ran it is legitimate. Um, To be fair, I think some of them had armor and that could have made it harder, but Mm. that notwithstanding, there are very clear rules for rolling group combat that Uh I did not use because I forgot that it existed. Um, I think they're in the player's handbook. Maybe it's the GM's guide, but I forget the details of it, but there's ways to handle groups of people in combat without having to do every single person. Ah, and I just completely forgot about it. So that could have made that fight either easier for you or at least just easier for me to run. Well, yeah, I liked how that fight, we, we showed up, we got caught 
not off guard, but we didn't get like a surprise round and we held our own and it made, I, it, I like it cause I mean, I played dreaming at the end of it. I felt like dreaming was really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man you got to feel cool. Them, <laughs> send them away. Yeah. Um, but I went then down fast. I also liked the ghost fight because it was just fun. Ghost stuff can be very fun. And it was like a little haunted house. And then we actually met the ghost and it worked out really well. Um, and then just as a little side note, Kali one-shotting the demon was mm-hmm. that was pretty good half upsetting because i wanted to have a cool <laughs> fight but half just like oh one of my most glorious moments so yeah I, if i had to choose one i'd probably nail it down to the slaver fight well i mean this probably feels uh, redundant to ask but cat what would be your favorite moment coming away from the campaign it wasn't any of those actually oh um, and I, I don't know if I call this a moment or not, but the, the, the second when we were doing the scorpion fight and I thought we are going to lose someone like the uh-huh. minute where I thought, yeah. where I realized we were very much outmatched by the scorpion fight mm-hmm. was just like up until that point, I don't think that anything we had done had been too threatening. No. It was mm-hmm. exhilarating and it was exhilarating to realize we straight up could lose a party member. We've only just started. This is, it felt like an accomplishment to beat the scorpion. Oh, yeah. More so than anything else we did the whole time, in my opinion. Either someone was going to die straight out or even worse, one person was going to get left behind and the scorpion, because we had multiple people down, that beast would have chose one person to latch on to and everybody else would have gotten away. Yeah. That that was just, I I remember feeling like my blood running cold through that whole fight. That was my favorite. I'll never forget that fight because I remember just being running the feeling the high of that fight for like hours after we played it. Um, and then when we produced the episode, it came through very clearly because that fight was like, Oh, this is a fun game. This is a new system. This is great. Oh, we had a fight. Look at that. And then you have this fight. It's like, Oh shit. <laughs> oh man. Uh-oh. <laughs> Cause every fight after the that hit the fan. was different. <laughs> every fight after that you were like, or not even just fights. It was like, we knew that things could go south real fast. Cause you fought the ogre. Um, and that wasn't a big deal. You were able to use your uh, wits and everything to surprise round it. And you fought the tentacle and admittedly, like it was kind of dangerous, but it wasn't super bad. It didn't have a ton of strength. Yeah. Was its thing. Um, but like before the scorpion beast fight, you kind of treated it like every other role playing game where you wouldn't shy away from a fight if the game seemed like that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. After the scorpion beast fight, it was like, hey. Let's think about this before yeah. we fight. It's like fighting can actually kill us all. It was um, it was a very humbling experience. It was like, yeah. hey, oh man, yeah. Fighting is scary. Let's let's think about this because I remember editing it in the beginning because I, as the GM, I, and I talked about this afterwards. I knew this was going to be very, very dangerous, uh-huh. and I didn't uh-huh. see any way around it because that's just the way it, it was yeah. written. Um, and then. I remember we were playing it and then I was editing it and, and Jacob said as Dreamer, no, we fight. <laughs> we fight <laughs> with the confidence that you would say for all our other like games playing and then like round one happened and things started getting questions. <laughs> like, Uh-oh. maybe we shouldn't fight. <laughs> Did we do something wrong? Oh, <laughs> uh, that is a good one. I gotta say for me as the DM, there's so many. The funniest thing that ever happened was you talking to the harpies, hands down. <laughs> yeah. No! That was so funny to listen back to. Um, uh, but yeah, the Scorpion Beast fight was very, very memorable. Um, I'm trying to think. Honor- There's so many. Honorable shout out to the marital strife between Dreamin' and Callie. That was pretty good. Yeah, that's another one. <laughs> every every time. <laughs> Weatherstone itself was a big highlight for the game, in my opinion, because you had the Scorpion Beast fight, and then like one episode, two, no, two episodes later was the harpies and jumping across the bridge. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, that's my, that's my second one was actually surviving, jumping across the bridge. I really did think for a minute there. Well, there goes this character. I've kind of gotten myself attached to. Oh yeah. I have, I actually have a question pertaining to, uh, the story. Yeah. Is Cardinal still peeing? In my heart. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know what his deal was? What? 
Uh, let me pull it up because he's a, he's a random encounter as yeah, well. Yeah, of course. Um, but such I was, a delightful so. one. Yeah, the one planned, <laughs> quote unquote, planned random encounter. Yeah. Your party must run into the urinating orc. <laughs> must. <laughs> yeah, it is imperative. It's actually uh, the demon shape shifted into an orc. I wish. No. So he is encounter number eight, called the Great Insulter. <laughs> Oh my god. Stupid! I'll I'll read the flavor text again because it's just so great. A loud and agitated voice cuts through the landscape. Someone is shouting out mockery and insults. When you get closer, you see a rickety wooden structure rise several feet above the ground. And at the top, a small orc with an upstage look. And when he sees you, he unbuttons his pants and urinates in your direction, (laughs) spewing insults all the while. Uh, the, the, this uh, random encounter is the orc cardinal calls himself the great provoker and wants to awake people from their slumber. Cardinal sees, sees it as his personal mission to spread his word and taunt passers You mean to spread his pee. Exactly. To release their inner rage and believes that it is he who has scared the blood mist into withdrawal. Oh my goodness, that's great! If the adventurers attack Cardinal, he will use a bow or axe or shield. He he loves to enter his berserk rage and he will fight to the death whilst he taunts his opponents. (laughs) Dang, I kind of wish we'd fought him now. He just wanted to make his mark on the world. (laughs) At the same time, he praises them for being in touch with their inner rage. (laughs) Delightful. Yeah. That's that's the great thing about it is he's one of the ones the random encounters where you can run into him again. Oh my god! And I never rolled it for you, but that would have been really fun. That That was was hilarious. Every time, like even on the last episode when we got the troll that we'd end up fighting, I was like, "Please, come on, Cardinal, Cardinal." Would that troll have smashed us? It would have been a tough fight. Okay. That's another thing. You want to get into what that is? Just tell me its strength, and that's all I need to know. And yeah. if it has fast healing. So that one is the puppy. Which one is that? <laughs> that's not a puppy. That's a troll. Number 23. Uh, page 120 for trolls. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, you guys already figured out what was going on with that. Let me go look at uh, the troll and the best, Jerry. All right. So the troll... It's the thing is it has 12 to 16 strength. I would roll that. I probably would have just picked 12 uh, with two agility. It has armor rating four natural, Ooh. which is its skin. Yeah. Um, movement one. And then it, it can regenerate one point of strength lost each round. And also has the stench ability. Whenever you're within arm's length, you suffer one point of damage to agility each round because of the troll's horrible oh. stench. Wow. But... When in sunlight, the troll suffers one point of damage per round uh, in direct sunlight. So if you were in direct sunlight with it, its regeneration is basically negated. Interesting. It's a very interesting thing. The main thing about the troll that I was excited to try uh, is uh, attack number three on its chart was troll throw. The troll lifts an adventurer high into the air and throws her as if she were a rag doll. Roll for an attack using 12 base dice and weapon Ugh. damage weapon damage 1, blunt force. Yeesh, that would have been <laughs> If hit, the adventurer lands prone at short distance from the troll. Um, and I think there's another one, good beating. Troll grabs the nearest adventurers <laughs> and throws them into another adventurer. The thrown victim is subject to an attack using 10 base dice with weapon damage 1, blunt force. If the attack hits, another adventurer within near range is hit. By an equal force, all victims who are uh, hit are thrown to the ground prone. So Dang. I can just basically pick one of you up and throw you at someone else. And hurt two players in one go. That's hilarious. That's great. <laughs> I love it. Now, I I was interested. It would have been a good final fight. I don't think it would have been a slam dunk either way. I Uh-huh. But I think you guys would have had the upper hand because Kali had willpower, if I remember right. So you could shoot through its armor. I had a few willpower at the time, so I would have used it for the natural armor. Dreamman yeah. had none, so healing would have been out. It might have had one or two. A Cahoon could probably have wailed on it. Yeah. Within the few rounds he had uh, agility-wise mm-hmm. with the stench. Um, so yeah. I think you guys would have handled it. I don't think it would have been a gimme, but it would have been a nice, tough fight to follow up the demon 
thing that Kali <laughs> one shot. So you know, I don't often get a character to do something that awesome. It's kind I of mean, rare, and it felt yeah. so good. It was really good. It's the perfect combination of good die rolls and good skills. So like last, I was using her for exactly the thing she was built to do, and it ah, oh, it just felt right. Actual fight we had was against that blob thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Arm of the glutton. All right. So, um, the last question I really have for you guys is, um, are you satisfied with how the game ended? No, more Wolfkin. No, (laughs) you've talked about this a whole lot off mic, how this game just does not have (laughs) a way to end. It really doesn't. Because it's meant to be played for a long time. I think that's the most unsatisfying thing for me. As far as the ending goes, you chose a good spot to end it. It was a nice little happy ending with the promise of more potentially. (laughs) But it, it, I won't play more. We yeah. barely scratched the surface. And we didn't of what finish the story, done. but yeah. that's like not our fault. It's the way the game is meant to be played. And yeah. our podcast is not meant for one long game. Right. Um, yeah. And this, yeah, I've talked about a lot on uh, off mic, uh, but it, you really can't just end this game. It's very open ended and that's why I love it. But because it's so sandboxy, there's never really a narrative ending point. Like with other adventure paths and modules, you have a thing, you fight something, you end it, you wrap up your story points, and you either move on to the next book or whatever yeah, else, yeah. you're done. This is like, it's so free form and loose, you don't really have a way to end it. Um, so I picked a good spot where I feel like action was falling. And I'm, I'm satisfied with it, but yeah, it it... There was never going to be a good way to end this for the show other than just like playing for three years until you go to Vond and beat Cytera, you know, and that's not in the cards for a show like ours. So, yeah. And I know Drow was saying we only ever met another wolfkin who was yeah. a ghost <laughs> or yeah. a demon. Well, this gets into uh, the, the questions I had you guys formulate for me. Uh, number one, besides the question about who is Grelf from Drow is, yeah. all caps, why no other Wolfkins? Because Wolfkin and are antisocial. Number two, where other Wolfkins? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we really should have just went to a forest. Yeah. We were in a forest. And we didn't encounter any. I was howling oh. next to a forest for weeks. You, you weren't where the Wolfkin were, though. Um, the Wolfkin. Where the Wolfkin where are the sounds wolfkin, like a children's yeah. book. It does. It, <laughs> it does. does. Where the Wolfkin grow. That's the thing is the Wolfkin just really don't like interacting with human society, which is the main thing. Well, you, it's a good thing none of the rest of the party was humans except for Rolk. How do you not like Rolk, though? Exactly. Rolk is wonderful. Rolk yeah. transcends everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you guys. We would have made Rolk king. You guys Forget only. Forget dreaming. I Cahoon, but. <laughs> or Cahoon, or Cahoon. You guys only barely touched the Groveland Woods and you didn't even get into the bulk of it where the Wolfkin are. You were east of a river or excuse me, west of a river. And then there's also the Fang Woods, which you didn't get to at all. So this is not going to be good for audio, but you see this map of the Forbidden Lands? I see it. You guys basically went through like here and there. We just so the audience can know, but based off that book, we didn't even touch like a seventh of the map playing. Not even no. like 10% It is a no. generous estimate. Yeah. 10% is, is about as generous as it would be to say how much of it you uh, encountered. Would hmm, this could be too spoilery for the future, but we were currently basically following the legend of the crowned. Yes. crown and trying to put it together did the crown legend take place mostly in that region or was there a chance that we could have went far out oh there's the the adventure sites i had queued up in case you happen to um either ask questions about them or if i wanted to go that way we're all over the map okay yeah wow cool the next thing you would have done probably would have taken you further away than anything else. Does that oh. is that you answering hmm. my question? What would that be? If we weren't going for a short form game, what would you like to have done or added to the game? Oh yeah, I would have. Um, we would have played the Ravens Purge if this was a home game and time slash you know 
show constraints weren't a thing, we would have played through all of Raven's Purge, which would have taken you over most of the map. Okay. Cool. Um, you wouldn't have gotten through, unless you were specifically exploring hexes, you wouldn't have uncovered probably more than half of it. <laughs> no, but you, you keep, would have, you would going. have, you would have uncovered a lot of things. I think, so peek behind the screen, the next thing I wanted to do, I was debating ending it after Veil of the Dead or doing another adventure site. And I wanted to do another adventure site. There's two of them that had to deal with like dwarves and they're like, fortresses or mines Uh, and I wanted to do uh, one of those there's one that's like the stone loom mines and then what is the other one dwarf fortresses are a very Derek thing stone garden I think (laughs) is one is that it that might be it yeah stone Stone garden Garden is a good name such Um, a good dwarf name I wanted to get to those but honestly they would have just been they would have been like 15 episodes Mm -hmm. and I didn't feel like I didn't feel like we would add any more to our season of Forbidden yeah. Lands by going through them. So There was a thing that I was half hoping to be able to do towards the end of the podcast. Something that I did not find out till almost towards the end of the podcast, rereading the magic rules. If somebody had died, if Cahoon had went down in a troll fight, yeah. or if we had gotten to the castle where Rolk was, Dreamin could have brought them back to life very dramatically. Ooh. There is a thing called chance casting that lets you cast a spell above one rank above your rank in a spell, which is where resurrection is. Yeah. Yeah. And but the the cost of it is you automatically get a mishap. Oh, you still have to have the willpower and you still have to follow all the rules. But no matter what, you roll a mishap. So if we had gotten to the castle on the Cahoon's castle on the last day to find it had been attacked by orcs or Rolk had died somehow, Dreamin would have brought Rolk back to life, uh, and he would have had a mishap, which could have you know sent him to hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was half hoping to get to pull that out somewhere in a very dramatic fashion, but no one ever died. Yeah. I think I mentioned this to you guys off mic. There's a table you roll for. Um, it's not the what happens if you leave your fortress unguarded. We didn't get to that because you didn't leave it unguarded long enough. Yeah. There's a thing for like what happens when you're at the stronghold or at stuff like that. And I wanted to pull from that for the ending. And so I rolled and the way that one works, it's not just a D66. The first number in D66, like the tens digit comes from you rolling, um, your reputation die. I think, Ooh. I think, yeah, you, whatever, however many, the highest reputation you have, you roll that pool of dice, like you would a skill. And so I rolled a six was the highest number of dice I got. And, that means I'm rolling in the like the highest tier table of what happens. And part of that is like there's minstrels and there's also like your fortress is besieged by orcs. Yeah. <laughs> and so oh boy. that was like two down the list from the minstrels one. Um, Man, we almost had a Lord of the Rings Battle yeah. of the Shire ending. Yeah, I don't know if we would have played it out on air. I may have just cliffhangered it. Because oh, that would have been a good cliffhanger. Siege rules are a lot. Illegal yeah, cliffhanger. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you know what I probably would have done is we would have recorded another episode just doing the siege. Yeah. Oh, that would have been cool though. Yeah. It would have been a lot, but it would have been cool. I the thing is you would have, it would have been very, you would have to get kind of lucky to we actually We would probably succeed. have take, mm. taken the secret tunnel and ran. I yeah. so would have wanted to have had a straight up Lord of the Rings elf and archer whenever we moment. Played, <laughs> whenever we played again, we would have had Cahoon's Castle 2 electric boogaloo. Because <laughs> the way you do siege stuff, you know how your uh, fortress has a defense score? Yeah. There's mm. like an offense score and you like roll those dice pools against each other. And the thing about the siege is like you get it. So you get a bonus for the player characters participating. And I think you may have gotten one of the bonus. So it would have been like two, but the attackers would have been like two. So it would have been dead even. Yeah. You don't get anything from your ramparts during a siege. <gasps> oh, no. Because they're not like assailing your castle. They're yeah. Blockading it, basically. So 
Yeah, yeah, it would have been very we interesting. Lost, we would have lost Goon's Castle. Yeah. yeah. But I was happy because I got For minstrels sure. and I thought that made a great ending. Yeah. Orcs Castle. It would have become. Castle. <laughs> you know what's funny though? Peek behind the screen is if that had happened, either Bill was going to be part of the siege because of course. Or Bill, of course. It been, we would have been besieged by the guy that Cahoon beat. Or Bill was going to be the chieftain. Oh, Survivor okay. of two oh, that traumatic been, attacks. That would have been, been great. That and the thing is, it would have had a reason for him to be so like against aggravated us. against us. I just, I kind of, we missed out because he always had a very uninterested voice. Yeah. So he just would have been like, oh, I guess let's take Castle. You guys are going to pay for what Charge. You did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the other question I have here from the players is uh, Burger King from drow <laughs> do you care to explain this question to me can we get burger king does cahoon's like castle like get burger a burger king? king maybe one day maybe one day we'll maybe make someday sh- we'll make sure we get it on orders of the king on orders of the king the on orders burger, of the king. King. The burger king i'm the burger king now <laughs> <laughs> we storm another fortress where the burger king's headquarters is <laughs> Or do I we just the start king. a uh, field of cattle? Look at me. Look at me. I'm the Burger King now. <laughs> <laughs> With my tiny paper crown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With the just crown. <laughs> this is the Burger Crown. <laughs> Make paper versions uh, of the Stanagist crown. licks rupees until he finds one that tastes it's like, like hamburger. <laughs> That's the real Chicken ending. Fries. If we never get back to this, the head cannon will be, you complete the Stanagist crown, you eradicate evil, and Cahoon becomes the Burger King of the Forbidden <laughs> Burger Lands. King! Well, now we know what season two is. The oh. Burger King. <laughs> the, rising, the Siege of the Burger King. Uh, uprising against the Burger King started you know, by the Hamburglar. One thing <laughs> <laughs> one thing I've debated doing with the seasonal form of content is like if we play a few games from now and then we wanted to come back to Forbidden Lands, maybe we could do one of the expansions, a standalone mm-hmm. thing to to try it out. But if we did that, I would want all new characters. Oh, of course, yes. So we could set it after Cahoon becomes the Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. In one multiverse, the Burger King reigns over all. <laughs> For 300 years, the Burger Some, King rules Sometimes lands. you hear his shouts across the land. Bark! Bark! Bark. <laughs> Hail and bark! <laughs> Hail and good bark, friend. Oh. oh, so the the only thing that's left to do now before we head out uh, is to announce the second season. We get a second season of the podcast. Yes, we the got fucking what? Burger King podcast. Uh oh, that might be trademarked. That might be trademarked. <laughs> Uh, this no, is but the this, burger hyphen king. We just got the oh, news back. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Abusing the hyphens. We just got the news back from uh, from uh, Nintendo. We were approved for a second season of the third count podcast. Yes. yes! <laughs> uh, from the Nintendo podcast. Thank you, Bowser. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, so without any further ado, the second season of the third gallon podcast, we're going to be playing a new game. And we're going to be playing The Witcher RPG. <laughs> yeah, boy. I'm very excited about it. Um, Shout I, out to Hanslow's D&D. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very excited about this game. I've actually had the rule book for The Witcher tabletop RPG since it came out in 2018. And I've desperately wanted to play it. And now that I have a show that's about trying new games, I can foist it upon my friends <laughs> with good <Yeah>. excuse. <laughs> Luckily, we're all looking forward to it. Yeah, actually. So uh, that'll be coming out. Listen, um, guys, don't come at us about lore. We're playing a game here. and We're trying, all right? I, I know. You we'll, can come at me with lore, but I'm just going to tell you that I'm doing your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Check and mate. I, I will Wink. say, we can get Wink. into we'll, we'll almost certainly talk about this more the first time we sit down to record, but I, as your GM, have already listened to everything but Season of Storms in terms of the audiobooks. Which will make it worse when you get it wrong. Oh, I know. <laughs> I played, Disclaimer, we will get it wrong. I've played The Witcher 3 and I've watched the Netflix Season 1 and Nightmare of the Wolf. And probably by the time the show comes out, I'll watch the second season 
That and listen to season of storms. Yeah, it's coming out uh, December sometime. Oh, nice. It's not December. We're recording this if you can't tell. Um, it's twenty eighth. It's it's it's, it's December life. It's almost yeah. It's past Thanksgiving. It is officially December. Yeah, yeah serious. Yeah. It's Christmas. <laughs> but we're all very excited about it. It's going to be a big change of pace. Uh, the Forbidden Lands is not quite rules light, but much more on <laughs> that scale. Forbidden Lands isn't chunky. Witcher's chunky. Witcher is going to be very chunky. But it'll be a good way to test the format of the show, adapting to a different game. Yep. Uh, so we're very excited. Um, we're going to be um, playing from the Book of Tales, uh, which has just come out uh, this year for the Witcher RPG, just so you know. Um, it's going to be great. Tune in when we launch season two in January. Bye. 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 See you later. Goodbye. Oh, bye. For 300 bye. years. We'll all miss you. We played the Forbidden Lands and now we're done. Can we get Burger King now? Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Catching Up. If you enjoyed it, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing us. If you want to see more from us, check out our website, thirdgallon.com, or follow us on Twitter. We are at thirdgallon, that's T-H-I-R-D gallon. You can also tweet at us using the hashtag thirdgallon, and we are on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook with the same handle, at thirdgallon. We also publish a video version of the podcast on YouTube, which you can find on our channel, The Third Gallon. The theme for Catching Up was composed by Alexander Nakarada, and you can find more of his work at serpentsoundstudios.com and support him at patreon.com slash anakarada. That's patreon.com slash A-N-A-K-A-R-A-D-A. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Music